Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Drive time with Elliot, Timothy, and Chen Chen. Only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian Time now to take a look at headlines out of the EU region. And on the line helping me out is Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon, Elliot. How are you? Well, not too bad. Recovering from uh, the debacle in football on uh, Sunday, the team that we both share. <laughs> We all bet us tonight. We'll be okay. Uh, yep, we're going to be okay. Speaking of uh, football and relations, uh, the UK and France are set to have a summit tomorrow. The 10th of March will be the first time that leaders of France and the UK have come together in a bilateral format in nearly five years. Topping the agenda, Chris, is the long-standing dispute over small boats crossing the channel. That's been fueled by the plan announced to resolve the issue. Great Britain getting a new boost. What are some of the things we should look out for? Where are UK-France relations at the moment? I think actually now the problems over the Northern Ireland Protocol have been resolved. They're probably in a much better footing than they were two or three weeks ago. So I think actually you can look forward to this summit having some very positive outcomes for Anglo-French relations. I'm pretty sure defence cooperation will come out very high on the agenda between them. There will be strong statements from, from both sides about continuing support for Ukraine. Remember, France and the UK have been some of the most strident supporters of Ukraine in the current conflict there. Yes, there are rocky things and the immigration asylum problem with people getting to the French coast and then trying to get on small boats across the UK. That will be a a point of contention between both sides. The UK, as you mentioned, has this new bill they're going to try and put through the British Parliament. Whether that gets through or if it does get through, it stands the test in the courts. It's a whole different matter. We can have a long debate about that. But the UK clearly looking to France to take more action to stop those refugees. And you know, many people in the UK would say the French should be dealing with those refugees in France rather than just let them get on board those boats. So that will be a point of discussion. Mm. But I think overall you can expect some really good positive messages coming up. Yeah, this small boats one is quite interesting. I mean, you're looking at 45,000 plus boat crossings last year, even after tighter security on the channel. A couple of issues. One, the issues of like people dying, you know, as a result of the crossing or, or along the crossing. And the other issue of over 180,000 plus applications for, for refugees in France. <laughs> Back to your point, who exactly should handle these applications? Well, I think actually we look under... UN rules and guidance, it should be the first safe country they reach, which you ah. know, in the case of Europe would be France, France. or Italy or Greece or wherever they, wherever they come to. And that's part of the, the concern, the points that the British government makes. Mm. Well, one reason why they want to get to the UK is they see the UK as an attractive place to get to for all sorts of different reasons. Despite the economic woes the UK has been having recently, they still see the UK as an attractive place. Maybe they're there for the football. I don't know. But (laughs) sorry about that. Can other countries get involved here? Should other parts of EU get involved with regard to this issue? Well, I do. My personal view is it it really a collective effort that's needed on Ah. behalf of all of Europe, the EU and the UK working together. Uh, And because a lot of this has been driven by criminal gangs as well. There, There are a lot of people trafficking going on. You need to get the people that are behind all of this. And then you need to try and work collectively a way of trying to prevent people even wanting to migrate. Now, of course, many are coming from places which are in big economic strife or war-torn zones like Syria, like Afghanistan, and they are legitimate asylum seekers. 
And you've got to try and weed out those ones which are pure economic migrants and then work out what to do from there. But it, it requires a multi-state effort. All right. Turning, well, sticking with France, actually, I saw this in the news. Railway workers in France uh, going on a national strike in response to plans by President Emmanuel Macron's government to reform the pension system and raise the retirement age. I think we spoke about this before, the fact that this does need to happen. But strikes have also been happening in the UK as well. You remember December last year, nurses went on strike, first time in like over 100 years. British rail workers also have been on strike in recent weeks. Teachers, healthcare workers... This is all down to the inflation problem, uh, the the economic issues. Would I be right to assume that? Yeah, essentially it's a cost of living issue. Mm. Wages wages have not been increasing as fast as inflation for for basic foodstuffs, for living costs uh, have been going up. So we are seeing a lot of economic woes and a lot of strike action right across Europe, not just in the UK. In the UK, we've had more days lost to strikes in the last few months than since the winter is content back in the early 80s with the Margaret Thatcher government. Mm-hmm. So it is an economic woes problem. Uh, the governments, again, need to try and get hold of it. They're also all desperate to try and get inflation down. They're all using the one tool in their toolbox, which is increasing interest rates, which unfortunately, of course, is increasing housing costs for people so that people feel that they're getting a double hit. There's yeah. a limit to what companies can do. If you keep rising wages, you're just fueling more inflation as well. Yeah. It's a tricky situation. Yeah, this whole issue of raising interest rates, of course, was a frosty issue on Capitol Hill between Jay Powell and Elizabeth Warren a couple of days ago. It unfortunately, I hate to bring this up, it unfortunately does look like the forecast that the EU is going to have a very, very turbulent two years recession-wise does seem to be headed towards that direction. It does, I think, and the UK is going to be very similar. So you're going to see some slowing down in economic uh, growth terms in both in Europe and in the UK going forward. I think we've all been expecting that. The only question is how hard a recession it is, or is it just a soft one, and can they get out of it pretty quickly? You know, and things like, unfortunately, the Russia-Ukraine war are not helping the situation. Yes, yes, that's for sure. Um, causing all sorts of problems with supply and demand. You know, strikes, tens of thousands have protested in Tbilisi at uh, Georgia's foreign agent bill. I'm curious, what exactly is happening here and why is this bill so controversial? I think you're stretching the definition of Europe a long way here. (laughs) (laughs) My my understanding in Georgia is it's all coming down to to a freedom of of speech issue. And, you know, they're basically saying if you are a news organization or an NGO and you're getting a chunk of your funding from outside of Georgia, they're going to call you a foreign agent. They're going to put some and wrap some controls on you about what you can and can't do. Interestingly, I think the Georgian president has been saying that she's siding with the protesters, so it's the parliament is the one that's coming down with these new laws, and that's quite an interesting political play going on there. I'm going to stretch it even more, Chris, just because it's me. Georgia, EU candidacy, any potential issue here? <laughs> I think if this foreign agent bill goes through, there's going to be a big consequence for it. The EU certainly would not like it. It would be a, a black mark against Georgia's name. Mm. Okay, uh, for sure this is uh, EU-related uh, Russia. Um, the NATO chief warning that the eastern Ukrainian city of Bakhmut may fall in the coming days. What does this say with regard to Russia's offensive? Because for a while it seemed like a bit of a stalemate. Um, could we potentially see some major territorial gains here? Well, we saw the Ukrainians making big gains before Christmas. It's been a, a, yeah. a big fighting battleground. I think capturing for Russia is probably more symbolic than anything else in terms of a huge military strategy and, and victory.
but it would be a, a demoralizing blow perhaps for the Ukrainians at this point in time. They're mm. currently holding on. They're waiting for those tanks from the West to turn up. Uh, I know the Poles, their first tanks arrived uh, a couple of weeks ago, but they obviously need a lot more about that. Uh, there are issues over ammunition supplies as well. So I think the sooner they can get the help in, Ukraine will be in a stronger position. Losing a city like Bakhmut would clearly be a bit of a, a blow to the morale of the country. Actually, um, Chris, if you don't mind, I mean, you've got all these aid coming in, this $1 billion ammunition plan to help the Ukraine as well. And this is a bit of a blast from the past, right? Um, apparently, officials are claiming that there's some intelligence that indicates a pro-Ukrainian group was responsible for the sabotage of the Nord Stream gas pipelines. I mean, it's going to take forever to verify and, and investigate such things. But do these little issues play a part in, you know, where all this aid is being promised to the Ukraine? I think you'll still continue to see the aid go to Ukraine. The view in the West, particularly in Europe, is Ukraine needs our support and we must stand by them steadfastly. So even if these allegations about pro-Ukrainian groups being responsible for that sabotage are found to be true, I don't think you'll see that aid slowing down. All right. I've been speaking with Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Chris, as always, appreciate your time. Have a great Thursday evening, yeah? Thank you much indeed. And speaking of Thursday evenings, uh, Chris, uh, Manchester United taking on Real Betis. What do you think the score is going to be, just for fun? 7-0 to United. Wow, it's number <laughs> 7. Is this driving me crazy? Here's Steve <laughs> Winwood on Money FM 89.3. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.